0: And we're really talking about the rain's got to soak in, the soil's got to be able to breathe, and of course that massive rich system really helps, and this mixture of plants we get by our year of dry and soil building really makes a farm work.
1: In this episode of Voices from the Field, NCAT Sustainable Agriculture Specialist Mike Lewis talks with Gary Zimmer, the co-owner of Otter Creek Organic Farm in South Central Wisconsin and founder of Midwestern BioAg a fertilizer company focused on biological and organic farming methods. Gary is also a co-founder of Rye Revival, an organization that aims to bolster the use of rye. Gary and Mike talk about rye's health benefits and its use as a cover crop and animal feed. Let's listen.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Voices from the Field. This is Mike Lewis out of the NCAT Northeast office in Keene, New Hampshire, and I'm excited uh, actually to be here today on scene at the Acres Eco Ag Conference with a uh, biodynamic and sustainable agriculture legend. I'll, I'll say legend and not uh, <laughs> what's the other thing they say that makes you sound old. We <laughs> really. won't go with that. Um, with with uh, Gary Zimmer. Gary um, and I met actually last year. And when we started talking about rye and my uh, my conversations with you, Gary, I don't told you this, but actually led me to start focusing on some publications for smaller scale farmers in my region, figuring out how we could start introducing rye. Um, and you got me very excited about rye and its potential to feed people, but also feed the soil. So, Gary, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and right. tell us what you're doing.
0: All right well I'm Gary Zimmer and we farm in Wisconsin and I had a business called Midwestern Bio Egg, and uh, I've been working in I'm a dairy nutritionist and I've been working in soils and creating feed for livestock for a long time and and of course it was I called my business 40 years ago biological farming because I wanted to focus to beyond biology well now we got regenerative and we got all kinds of sustainable and all these things and I'm I'm fine with all that I think the regenerative is a nice term, but uh, what does that mean for people? Uh, Regenerate, regenerate what? Uh, I don't know if people understand that really involves uh, dealing with getting minerals exchangeable, raising soil fertility, having healthy soil. And so on our own farm then, uh, we used to milk 300 cows and had 600 acres and now we don't have any cows, and uh, the only livestock we have is below our feet. And uh, we came up with that we were organic, and we had a, used to grow soybeans and all these other crops. And, and my son and one other farmer, he's got one worker, they farm 1,500 acres in a 45-mile circle. We're in the hills of southwestern Wisconsin, and you got to travel a long ways to buy big fields. We farm on uh, 14 different pieces of land, so you can kind of envision what our farm looks like and so anyway we've over the years and not being able to find good help and we became very efficient became very my son is uh and one other guy running 1500 acres is unheard of and so we actually grow one year corn and one year rye clover soil building i think it's just the most incredible thing i've done to change soils in my career and i've been involved with putting on the minerals and balancing the minerals and we got a tillage system we really like and so we're extreme soil building so we After the corn is harvested in the fall, now being in Wisconsin, you only have one choice of a crop to plant, and that's called rye. But rye is really pretty incredible. It grows on hard, tough, rough conditions. It doesn't need high fertility. And for us that far north, we just finished planting last week, and we're in Wisconsin. So it's cold, and the ground is already starting to freeze, but it'll be there in the spring and then come March. We all frost seed clover into that rye, and then we and and so then that we'll combine the rye. We plant real thin to make sure we get a clover is more important than rye because we don't have a big rye market yet. But rye has got some very unique properties, and so then uh, when the rye is combined, we kind of flail mow everything down, all the straw, everything stays. The rye comes back. We put on compost, do any deep ripping that we need to do, and and just leave that all there. And then the following spring. When the clover gets about a foot tall, that carried over, uh, we work that down and uh, we plant corn. So, uh, so we have 18 months between tillage passes, and uh, our soils are radically changing. And we put this huge amount of biomass. I've been testing all the stuff that's been in the clover that we put back in our soil, and uh, uh, we're putting in the ground. And just from measuring the cover crops and taking my soil test, we're putting in about 400 units of nitrogen. And every so while, it's not all available. And I recognize that but we do this every other year and we're putting in about 500 pounds of phosphorus 900 pounds of potassium a thousand pounds of sugar just for measuring what's in my cover cup you want to regenerate land i think you got to go at it and so now our soil test levels have skyrocketed we make compost uh we do get some poultry manure in and and uh, we use our Old fields that are too rough to grow to farm that we make hay out of and use the hay. We got a bale shredder as our carbon source for the poultry manure to make our compost. We make about a thousand tons. The only nutrients we bring onto our farm is that we add sulfur and boron to our compost piles. And we're only putting out about a ton to the acre of the compost. And so we make more than what we have for acres. So the corn and the rye don't compete. So then the rye, I got to really looking at rye. Rye has got the most massive root system of any crop you can grow. Uh, rye is makes a a a, a, a wonderful um, soil building crop, but it also. There's a lot of talk about rolling and crimping and planting soybeans, but rye also works as, as a feed for livestock. And there's been a, quite a bit of evidence and research. Uh, poultry is not the animal that likes to eat rye, but pigs. And uh, uh, our farming system, one-year rye, one-year corn with clover underseeded, to me is the perfect rotation for a hog farmer. I got the grain from rye. I got the corn. And see, in Denmark, the country of Denmark, they outlawed antibiotics in hogs. And if you feed at least 15% of the hog diet as rye, the need for antibiotics is gone. They feed up to 80% of the hog diet as rye, and it's the most profitable ration, and the hogs gain just as much. And so our rye yields are only like 30, 40 bushel. Our corn, we try to target uh, close to 200 bushel. And, uh, and so then, but see, if I was doing it for hogs, both those feeds work really well. And then I got the clover. I could actually bale up some clover stuff for my protein source for some of my, for the sows for sure. And for other animals, I could graze some if I had other cattle on there. So we don't graze the clover. We leave everything on there. We put it all back into the soil. So then, so I got feed. I've got soil building for rye. I've got food. See uh, countries like Latvia that I'm involved with, seventy percent of their diet is is uh in the form of rye for bread. In this country it's 0.7%. And rye is a health food. You can make a there's black rooster rye out in New York City in Brooklyn, and he's one of the guys in my rye revival group. And you can I order bread from him. It's really heavy. Most people say, Oh, I don't like rye bread. What they associate rye bread with is, is the caraway. They don't like the caraway, it's not the rye they don't like i like pure rye bread and some people like to dilute it down so we're trying to get the food thing if if tortillas or bread or if some big bakery some food sources like chipotle we've been talking about and if they would put just 15 percent rye into their flour because rye would really help a lot of our farms and a lot of our soils to have that have a better market for the rye and, uh, and, and there's some rumors about if you go to clinics in Mexico, because you can get cancer treatment, they got treatments from everywhere in the world, they're going to put you on a pretty restricted diet, and the only grain you're going to get to consume is rye flour. And there's another capsule out here that's a little pill made. I get somebody, I'm kind of a health food person, and they got one called Presta It's the rye, it's the pollen from the rye they use to make prostate's healthy in people. So I said, so there's got kind of a health benefits that got thrown in on the side with rye. So the food thing, we got to grow that market. Uh, so there's some out here, there's some rye breads out here, but it needs to be included in a larger scale just because of its health benefits. And then the last use of rye is uh, uh, distilleries, even jim bean kentucky here they use about a million bushel of rye and most of it's been coming from ukraine or other countries and so and and so to get better quality rye and to get rye produced here in the united states and to and for distilleries i work with out we're going to make rye whiskey up in wisconsin uh, for one of these nonprofits as a a fundraising kind of i farm their farm it's taliesin the frank Lloyd Wright foundation and we're going to grow rye and make whiskey for distilleries to and so it'll be uh, you know rye whiskey is an some really nice stories about it. I don't even drink myself, but if people want to drink, you know, why not support an industry that can help farmers? So I want to get people involved. Why would you do rye? Why would you buy rye? Because If you look at all the uses and what the benefits it does for our soil and how it fits into a rotation is what really got me involved in looking at rye and and where it fits. And for our farm, uh, we market about, I grow 25,000 bushel, we do. I do about, uh, we do about uh, 15,000 bushel that goes into cover crops, into seed. And then we do uh, some. I got a couple of hog farms that buy our rye. One farm that does not these goes red wattle pigs—and he doesn't use any corn or soy. And so he's a big customer for our rye and really likes it. And uh, and so then uh, we're now trying to develop uh, other markets with what I have left and flour and getting into bakeries and getting into a bigger food chain. And I realize the changes people's mentality of foods, but boy, wouldn't it be nice if your little flour tortilla had about 15% rye for your benefits and the farmer's benefits.
1: NCAT's Growing Hope Conference is sponsored in part by Rural South Institute, a nonprofit organization honored to be part of the efforts by the U.S. Department of Agriculture to assist military veterans reintegrating into civilian society as they retire or return from active duty abroad. Through grant funding from USDA's National Institute of Food and Agriculture, RSI offers mentoring services, training, education, outreach, and technical assistance to veterans and their families in Alabama. RSI was conceived in 2018 and born out of the need and desire to assist underprivileged youth and economically depressed communities. The institute is dedicated to protecting the environment, guiding and educating youth, and cultivating the next generation of minority farmers and rural entrepreneurs. For more information, visit the Rural South Institute's website at RuralSouthInstitute.com.
2: Well, you know, I, I mean, first of all, I would say like I'm I'm ready to already tee up the next one because as a hog farmer who's been experimenting <laughs> with, rye, I have a lot of questions. But what what brought me here to talk to you today was more about the soil. And you um you said, and we hear this a lot, right? As farmers transition, we used to be farming cows, and then they told us we were farming grass, and now we're farming soils and we're farming microbes. And as you said, it's the it's about farming what's below your feet. You yes. said the livestock is below your feet, so I'm. I'm curious I mean I have a bunch of questions, obviously, but my primary question is you know you talk about the benefits of of rye to the to the to the livestock that's under your feet, but could you just touch on those a little bit sort of kind of clue us into why it's so important for soil yeah. health and
0: yeah and I think that. So biology in the soil really needs to be able to breathe. It can't be waterlogged. Water's got to soak in. No plant grows a bigger root system than rye. So the, all that root's tunneling through the ground and the complex carbons that really affect carbon build up in our soil are really from the roots. They don't come from the top so much because that kind of breaks down and they come from the exudates, the photosynthetic juices that the plant produces that goes back into the soil and that massive root system on rye. And so there's a lot of work being done on carbon and carbon sequestering and of course, rye adds that benefit too and so it would feed certain categories but the exudates from the plant are a big part of it i think it needs that we do it in a combination with the clover of course and that's why, why do people, one of the big things is the putting on cocktail mixes of plants as a cover crop.
2: 37 different species. Yeah. back.
0: I joke because we're an organic farm and we do the clover. I do a four-way clover blend, although clover's all in the same family because everybody wants to do a 10-way cocktail mix. That gives me four right there with four-way clover. And being organic, if you come to, we had a field days on our farm last summer. We do several of them. And uh, we counted over 20 species. Oh, they're all volunteer. There's weeds, there's foxtail, there's pigweed, there's lamb's quarters, there's... Pennsylvania smartweed, all a part of my cocktail mix. But they have benefits. Oh, they I mean, do. Even
2: those weeds have distinct benefits yes. when you start looking at the whole yeah. system. It, so. it took
0: me a long time in my career to realize I've been at this for forty years to realize that uh, the plants determine the soil life, and just like that's why the variety. I'm a dairy nutritionist, and and when I started farming, it was corn, soybeans, and dry hay, and and dical and trace mineral salt. Well, now every farm we work with feeds 10 or 12 commodities we got a tmr so the cow and a soil are very similar because they're biological systems and and they require huge diversity so the more diversity of plants the more diversity of soil life i have and the less issues i have because someone said you're growing two grasses in a row you got corn and you got rye and I said I got all that other stuff in between and, I, and they said you're going to have nematode problems well, I've never seen any of that because we got a huge diversity and a huge diversity of food and a huge diversity of ty- different types of soil life and because of the aeration in our soil structure uh, that new code 336 that's going to come out about carbon sequestration it's really that what they're asking for is soil aggregation water infiltration measuring certain minerals they're spot on on some things that measure soil health and we're really talking about the rain's got to soak in soil's got to be able to breathe and of course that massive rich system really helps and this mixture of plants we get by our year of rye and soil building really makes a farm work
2: you know the one other thing i know that that you have to go but we're we're definitely going to do this again because i personally as myself i have a lot to learn <laughs> but one of the things that i really appreciated you saying or, or articulating to me last year that You know, there are ways to monetize a cover crop. And I think that what you've done with the rye is, is something that maybe it... I don't want to say it represents a giant shift because I think, like, you know, a few of us have been thinking about this for a long time. We're working on a yellow pea cover crop project in Maine, trying to help monetize that for livestock and and, and, and for human food consumption. But could you talk a little bit about how, and I know this was last year, so I'm happy to help prod you along, but you talked to me about how you don't plant the rye at a regular planting rate because you've got that clover in there, and your yields are – are somewhat less than what a normal rye farmer is but there's a balance in yes. the economic trade-off between your soil health and your corn bushel yields and i would, would yep. love it if you could just talk about that so we can get farmers thinking about sure cover crops bring more than just soil health value you yep. can get them to market
0: and what i shared here at my acres meeting was about, not only about transitioning land to organic but i shared my economics on the farm so for us the clover and the underseeding is as much because I don't even have that many rye markets. I got to build them, and so yes, our rye yields are only thirty to forty bushel. We only plant seventy pounds of seed breaker in the hybrid rye. We grew some, of that it doesn't fit us in Wisconsin. Excuse me, because hybrid rye. It's got to be planted like wheat, and if I'm going to plant it in September, my corn's not going to be harvested in September, so when am I going to plant it? If, I, if I'm if i going to plant that early, I'm going to plant wheat because I can get twice as much money for wheat, and it yields a lot more. But rye grows on much rougher conditions, can tolerate droughts and hardy, can poor conditions and poor situations, so we plant a low rate of rye, and we don't plant it till in November because if I plant it early, it really stools out. The reason you plant the hybrid rye, and they normally recommend 70 pounds, and we planted 40, is because it really stools tools out, but I don't want the rye so thick that it interferes with my cover crop. Because we get we looked at the rye here doesn't make us money. We use it as a soil building here. I used to spend a couple hundred dollars an acre. A friend of mine in Michigan, an organic farmer, spent $400 an acre to get his 160 bushel corn. Well, I did all the economics here, and we don't buy fertilizer anymore. And I owned the fertilizer company for 40 years. I got out of that, but I still work there. Our soils are, once they're remineralized, what do I remove from the land? The only thing we take off is the rye grain and the corn grain and all the rest of the carbon and the straw and the clover and everything else stays. Now, I could, like I said, probably graze some of that. So the economics in this thing, we looked at, I shared my economics and uh, uh, let's say we average 180 bushel corn. We think we can get to 200 as our system. We've been eight years on four rotations on some of our fields and some are just new. We have some fields last year, corn, that wasn't a weed in them and no weeds go to seed during the rye clover year. So now it's been it's been two years. Without a weed going to seed. So you see, weed seed bank, people misunderstand that. As the soil structure gets loose and crumbly, weeds grew are small seeds. They got to have. Air and they, they got to have moist. They got to have soil seed contact, and if they don't have soil seed contact, they don't do as well. So the loose, crumbly, chocolate cake type soil, you're going to have less weed pressure in it. Water's going to soak in, and you're going to have a more resilient type soil. Also, so all those things place. But my son and I shared the economics and all the trips we make over the field and what he does out here, and we sell our organic corn for about eleven dollars a bushel. Uh, we sell the rye for about the same price, around ten, uh, and we sell most of our rye goes to conventional. Farmers for cover crop seed, we don't even sell it organically. If I tell them it's organic... They almost are nervous to use it. I don't know why. <laughs> so I don't even tell them. They buy the ride. they don't know what's coming from an organic farm. It's better off that way. They're better off. Keep but it's, it's good. good germination. And so we, uh, my farm, uh, all the paperwork said my farm was net, my son was netting about $650 an acre. And someone said, yeah, but you forgot the insurance, you forgot this. I said, all right, add $200 an acre more. That's $300,000 on our farm that I overlooked expenditures on. And he still nets $450 an acre. And we, and we farm 1,500 acres. So it's not a part time job. Job. and we found out a profitable way and wouldn't it be nice not to have to buy fertilizer right now we
2: knew we, um,
0: we, we grew all that nitrogen we extract all those nutrients and my soil test levels keep climbing so i yeah, it's well, very a significant satisfied.
2: amount of that fertilizer is petroleum based right? Yeah, than I mean, the petroleum impacts that's why we've seen the the price rise so much this i mean gary i you know always amazed at what i'm able to glean for um information from you but i do i want to ask and, and give you a chance to um you know i've, I've been through the rye revival website and i've been <laughs> studying up on the resources there so i'd love to give you an opportunity to talk about rye revival if you'd like or you, you know you're consulting your farmer whatever you'd like to talk about but and, and so i would just ask like what is rye revival and so
0: first we started out with the, some foodies that wanted, and the food world, and an epidemiologist, and then well, there's another larger farmer in Wisconsin, like our size acres, and and I'm and uh, I'm getting him really getting into this. So we into this rye thing, and we think rye is the plant that's here to save the planet. And so we've been really pushing, and we've been partnering with people. Spent a couple of years, and we do meetings, and we get we get together and try to promote it so that group of the. Food people are mostly in New York because you see, New York is the Jewish community is probably the bigger consumers of rye bread. And so that's a big part of it. And and there's uh, we're research people and professor people. And we're, I got our university guys trying to look at hogs and hog diets. And the University of Wisconsin doesn't even do hog research anymore. I got to go to Minnesota or Iowa, which is kind of sad. I, I got some really good friends that are researchers, but I got to, so what kind of evidence is going to take people to want to include it on in, in their farm? And say, yes, I won't make any money on rye but I'm going to make money on my whole system it's more than just one little crop and what I do and, uh, and you know and so that's really a part of so rye revival like I said is a you know, we're still struggling away and we got to get money raised and and uh, we got to be. I, I said, my farm is an example, and there's other farmers. We got two major farms as examples of what goes on on a farm. That's why I have field days. And so, uh, and, and you know, it is, if you really think about it, I am in the fertilizer business and don't use fertilizer anymore. So, what is regeneration? Everybody talks about, I'm going to regenerate my lamb. They do one little cover crop or one little thing, and they think they can cut out their fertilizer, and they can extract all their minerals from the soil. You've got to earn the right to do certain things. So Rye Revival is going to be an educational, nonprofit kind of thing to promote rye. I've got a mill on my farm to mill rye for distilleries. It's under construction. It's not completely done, and I've got a gravity table. I can go into flour and all these guys. But we're going to... We're not going to put it in five pound bags. We're going to put it in totes or semis. You know, twenty five thousand bushel. You don't put in five pound bags.
2: Well, no. I mean, you can, but it uh, might,
0: might get a little intensive. It doesn't fit my <laughs> farm and my farm. There's other people. So if I got a mill on my farm and someone's, oh, can I bring my rye? I said, no, no. I'm the mill is for our farm. I can't. I couldn't get zoning to do. I don't, and I don't want to clean anybody else's because if I buy somebody else's rye and it's moldy and crummy, and he's a friend of mine, and I tell him his rye is. Awful. He's not. He's not going to be a friend anymore. He's going to be. He's going to be mad at me. So I said, "Look, I'll get the ride market growing in my area. We got to get more local businesses." I got a friend in southeastern Minnesota. I got another friend in Michigan. They're ready to put up their mills once we get this thing going. And say, the state of Michigan is really wonderful. You, uh, if you make whiskey, liquor tax is fifty percent. But if you buy grains grown in Michigan, it's nineteen percent. Why doesn't every state do this? So we could then have to get more local things going. And so if you wants to buy a million, million bushels of rye, they're a little complaining about the rye in Kentucky is not of their quality. Teach them how to make better quality rye and buy it
2: from Kentucky. Uh, absolutely
0: and that people fail just like on the rye there's all kinds of varieties I want some of these researchers there's a new variety that Farm Show magazine talked about that's a thicker bigger stem and it doesn't grow as tall because I don't want it to lodge and and see the reason I can't plant it thicker I can't have it lodge or stool. I don't want to plant early I don't want it to stool because I don't want it to hurt my clover there's a lot of things that need to be learned the management of the rye just like I was one of the first guys to roll and crimp rye and plant soybeans and it failed it failed it failed well I planted it too late and didn't plant they plant 175 pounds of seed breaker and i plant 70 they're two different purposes if you're gonna and, uh, and you gotta plant the rye for rolling and crimping real early what well, doesn't fit our farm and of course that's it has its failures too and so that's not the only use forever we got a lot of work to do on variety what makes the best flour? what makes the best distillery stuff
2: yeah, no. Well, that's fascinating, you know, because I'm always saying, you know, they'll introduce you, or you get introduced as like, "Oh, this is your topic of expertise." And not my mind's is, like, "Oh no, I just took notes while I was screwing up. I took really <laughs> good notes, you know." And it seems like that's that's what most of agriculture is—just yeah. paying attention. And I'm I'm so thankful that we have people like you that pay attention to, yeah. you know, the types of things that you pay you pay attention to, right? The soil health and the long term benefits of what we're doing. Yeah. So what. You know how long until Roz mainstream, Gary?
0: I don't know. We got work to do. I think we got a right now. I wrote an article for Acres coming out in February on management. It was a fun article for me because you see, if you're a farmer, you got 25 things to manage, and the hardest thing that it is to do is to get help with your soils and help with a change. And there's a lot of peer pressure in your community to keep doing what you've been doing. And so if you're gonna see, we moved into a community, so they didn't know who we were, so we could do things right up front different, and they just could laugh at us, which we didn't even know them, so it didn't matter. Never laugh yeah so to make a change everybody says boy your guys aren't very stable you're always changing i said i'm always looking to improve the mouse trap that we have out here so my son i said he's only 44 years old but what he's doing right now he's really happy with it i said he'll become a guy in a rut that won't want to change because he likes what he's doing so well but we got a lot of work to get done to get those things changed and and yeah it's been uh, uh the, the, the the part about getting farmers to change we we know we got climate issues. What really drove us in the first place to do this was uh, we had outrageous amount of rain and uh, we couldn't get our crops planted. So if we divide and if our workload out, and that's why rye we can get planted in the fall. We don't have to touch that. Uh, you know, we can frost seed on frozen ground. We don't need to touch that for a year and a half. So we don't till it once every year and a half. So we had to come up with a system that's going to fight these climate changes and weather pattern changes. And I was a kid. We never got six inches of rain one afternoon and we do now.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Often, like right? you know, we do, where I'm at. So, Well, this is fascinating. Keep your eyes open. What's next for Rye Revival? Just finding more people, finding more markets? Yeah, and we're trying how to find that help. the average a, person help?
0: I, don't know, I think we're trying to—I think it's the, to really explore into this food thing about putting rye as, as a— look at it as a health food and putting it as a part of your bread diet. See, everybody says, how oh, are you going to get people to start eating bread? It's only 0.7% of the people here, but a lot, be 70%. When I was a kid, there was no such thing as pizza or yogurt. And I'm sure they're on the shelves everywhere today. So we gotta get rye into flowers and breads and tortillas if you're connected somewhere. Get rye more into the food system and look at it as a health food because it has wonderful properties for health. It's not been altered, it's not been altered. It's those old varieties are fifty years old that we plant. And and so I say so we got a pretty pure, clean grain to work with. And I think so people many. can help by eating it, promoting it, finding markets for people that are willing to put it in flowers.
2: So eat raw, save the soil. That's the uh, soil. that's the message that's of the, the day. Message. Gary, thank you so much. I'm I'm so thankful for your opportunity and your time, it's and been a pleasure, uh, the opportunity Mike. to speak with you. And we um, look forward to doing this again.
1: All right, thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Additional information about this episode and related resources can be found at atra.incat.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Voices from the Field wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Rich Myers. ATRA, Voices from the Field, is produced by the National Center for Appropriate Technology, headquartered in Butte, Montana. It's supported by the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service as part of NCAT's ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the USDA or NCAT. We'll catch you again next week, and until then, keep on farming.